Hi, welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television you open with a large round circle. This is television that you watch with your third eye, which could be the large round circle. Hi, I'm R. Neville Johnston, and welcome to our show. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our show is about raising our consciousness, all of us, collectively. And tonight we're going to talk about giving and receiving. <clears throat> and I started to say that it is the gentle art of giving and receiving, because it truly is. Mm -hmm. it's, very, it's a very gracious act. It's filled with grace. And it's all one thing. And what we tend to do is make distinctions between giving and receiving. And at times we feel like giving is losing something and receiving. At other times we feel like we're losing something there. We're losing power or we're losing status somehow. And it was recently, and one of the things that inspired us to do the show on this topic was I was noticing how difficult it seems to be for people to receive. People are far more comfortable with taking things than they are with receiving. <clears throat> because they maybe feel that receiving is an act of weakness or something. Like, uh, for instance, if I were to give this to you, it becomes a complete circuit. I feel the beauty, the love, the graciousness of giving, mm -hmm. and then I am received with fullness of the mm -hmm. receiving of you receiving me, which is the gift of you taking that. Yeah. But people feel they lose power. So instead of graciously, openly giving and receiving, it turns into manipulation, passive-aggressive manipulation, uh, guilt manipulation, uh, all these different manipulations so that people feel they can't receive anything unless they fight and conquer the other person and win it from them through that. And if you look at it, just the mindset in the Western world, really all over the world today, it's like that Vikings run amok <laughs> where everybody is um, burning, raping, pillaging, whatever they used to say they did. Yeah, absolutely. Because the art of receiving is seen as a weakness. So perhaps look at the balance between giving and receiving in your life mm -hmm. and see if it is difficult for you to do that or if you feel more comfortable taking it from people. Well, on the show we have uh, for I don't know how many years now, more than 15, more than 15, however long this has been, we have been giving uh, just a huge amount of information absolutely free and um, the idea of it being received is, um, well, we can't, uh, if we measure our happiness on how well, because in the beginning I was not so good at this, I would expect people to understand if I would say a language code and then they mm -hmm. wouldn't understand that if you say should, you're manipulating. They wouldn't understand a thing like that. But I think there's more and more. It's, it's been a slow process getting the amount of consciousness that we offer on this program to be common knowledge to be where people don't have to um, uh, be bludgeoned into catching on to it, that it's, it's just become um, common knowledge a great deal of this, and that should is still not as understood as it could be. Um, you know, if, if you should do it and you don't do it, then you're being made, you're being decided that you're wrong, and this is a guilt manipulation and, you know, so forth and so on. So giving knowledge and expecting, and not, you know, just I'm saying in general, the the world does not quite catch that because uh, I hear this all on on uh, dialogue on TV shows everywhere. People are, uh, you know, even in comedies, so forth and so on. Or the word try. The word try is another one we were. 
Well, well, something get, that you're mentioning that I away. think yeah. that, that I would like to maybe elaborate on because it's a very important point. Sure. In the process of giving and receiving, there is the whole end that we give with the expectation of the other person receiving. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we get attached to that, and then mm -hmm. the giving is no longer giving, it's it's feeling taken. Yeah. Like, um, I remember one time you had one of your infinity necklaces at this local New Age shop. They this had it on the consignment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, funny. Mm -hmm. They had it on consignment, and someone stole, quote unquote, it from the store of all the things. And so the lady goes, well, sorry, you know, it got stolen. And I immediately felt that if in that state, it's best to give it. And so yeah. I suggested we do a ceremony where wh whoever took it, we now give it to them because mm -hmm. there is that, that linkage and everything. Mm -hmm. So then that brings up the topic, and you know, viewers are invited to call in and discuss it oh, too. Yeah. In the idea of giving and receiving, if we're not attached to what the other person is doing, that's great. Mm -hmm. But if the other person then tries to, you know, take it or they're they're or doing this unhealed, yeah. is that does that have to affect you? And yeah, that is maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. Because I know we give to others what it is we would love to receive. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is a good way to know how to be loving toward another person is to see how they love. And mm -hmm. you know that's what they're looking for. But I think the whole giving and receiving, it's like a, it's almost like a war at times <laughs> where you're saying, here, I'm giving you this, you have to use it, you have to do it. Like you were saying you noticed about the word should, where you're mm -hmm. saying, I've given you this information, now you have to use it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was, yeah, and our program is habitually giving uh, bits well, of uh, higher consciousness, well, he, and I'm noticing it is being received. Yeah, yeah. well, and also, uh, you could also look at giving as receiving. Everything gets replenished, so everything spoken gets replenished with new things. That's an interesting statement that you give what you would most love to receive, which is true. Well, I, I really feel that that's how to be a everything from a good mother to a good lover to a good priest to a good child is if you notice what someone else is giving and you give them that they will be happy yeah so the um, and we have over the years this the conclusion we have over the years received a great deal of consciousness uh, certainly we are more conscious than we were in the year 2000 or any of the 90s. Well, there was a really good moment in 97, but nonetheless, the um, whole point is that uh, what we have been giving to everyone, we have also been receiving because over the years we've uh, of acquired course. quite a few techniques no by which we become more conscious and would offer them readily yet again. Mm -hmm. on the show because apparently you have to say it many, many times. Well, also what people take from other people are the things they feel are lacking. And so if someone is taking something, automatically give it to them. Like I hear people say a lot that someone is threatening to commit suicide or something like that. And then another person may say, oh, they're just looking to get attention. Well, yes, because if people are thinking of suicide, they don't want to die, they want to live in a better way. Yeah. And so they are looking for attention. If someone's seeking attention, give it to them. 
they wouldn't be seeking it if it wasn't something very important to them. Yes, but so. It's, it, again, we think of giving and receiving as somehow giving and receiving or, or losing our power. And if you feel comfortable in your power, you'll never lose it. And yeah. I believe we have a call. We do indeed. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, my name is Edna. Edna, Hi. what can we do for you? Well, I have a principle that I've always lived my life with. Um, ah. That I don't lend anything that I can't afford to give away. <laughs> and once I've lent it, I've essentially given it to them, and I don't expect it back. Me too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that is such a That's good philosophy. That's a very philosophy. sane way to live, yeah. Yeah. Because it is... Um, it ties up those loose ends. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that is totally excellent. Um, do you, uh, did you have a question, by the way? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. wanted to share that. Well, thank you. Oh, that's well, brilliant. Oh, thank you. Yes, because yeah. that is so powerful. And I bet you it, it took you a, a lot of experiences to get there, right? Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well, because we do, we have expectations of other people. And when you lend something, you're not only lending a book or, your, or the money, you're lending the tracking of that, too. And then the expectation, which is spending some of your energetic coins. Yeah. And... Uh, and so that's a great way of looking at that. Mm -hmm. And so everything you give away, you got to really give it away. And if you're attached to how someone's going to use it or if they're going to give it back or whatever, you're not really giving it away. It's sort of a periphery memory. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. What a yeah. beautiful thought. Edna, that I think was, that's yeah, we appreciate your call. We'd love to hear from you mm -hmm. uh, anytime. Truly love. There was the expression uh, uh, Native American and the expression Indian giver, which meant that if you gave something to somebody else and uh, you know the moccasin didn't fit, they were allowed to give that to somebody else that would appreciate it. So, but then that was made to uh, be bad. <laughs> yeah, made to be bad, and it's not true. And it wasn't until uh, I heard Jerry Seinfeld say regifting that that great weight was lifted. You can, you're allowed to regift. And then they had a lot of fun with that, and the only reason they could have a lot of fun with it was that it was true. You know, mm -hmm. the humor has to be true. First rule of comedy is yeah, it must that be true. Yeah, label baby maker, <clears throat> label baby label maker. <laughs> that was regifted. Oh, it was meant yeah. to be a joke, but it wasn't funny. Oh no, Doesn't I'm sure it was. The, the uh, idea, though, that you are allowed to regift things without mm -hmm. the guilt complex, whoever those people are, because they just wanted more things sold. And that's the only reason that whole thing was set up. Yeah. And that was probably done almost two centuries ago. And uh, people are still guilty. And Jerry did his best to get people, you know, cranium mm -hmm. extricated from uh, rectum, yes. you know, as far as the term regifting went. Yeah, so thank you, Jerry. And regift something right now, this minute. Hurry up. Okay. Well, it's also a way to let go of things because we do. Maybe this is um, getting to the bottom of why people have an issue with giving and receiving and receiving something from others because it's been my observation that whenever people are receiving something from someone, they feel out of control because that person giving often has a lot of conditions attached or an insistence that you don't re-gift it or you don't reuse that. But what if we did give freely and that person that received it, received it freely? So if they wanted to give it away or if the gift was advice, they could either take it or not take it. 
and there wouldn't be any injury to the giver. I think we put yeah. so many conditions on it, it becomes scary to receive. Yeah, the no injury to the uh, giver, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a very important factor we lose easily. But you know, something else is... The, uh, you know, you're invested in the person liking what you, right. and they don't necessarily, mm -hmm. and um, uh, humans. Well, this, there's something to be said about kindness, and mm -hmm. I think in our world, we have taken kindness and made it codependency, and so everybody is feeling like it's all about me now, I've got to just see my role in things, and I'm not taking away from that at all. But I really do feel that the me cannot exist without the we, and the we cannot exist without the me. And we have to get more into a balance. That's what I call the me-we tribe. So I'm inviting everyone to it and find your relationship in it. It's not a matter of that uh, kind of giving. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe the exercise of the week is, and this is another Native American custom called the giveaway ceremony. Oh, yeah. Where they give, they all meet, gather, and give each other a gift, like they take something. But it's not just the old can of green beans you have on your counter, like it back in your cabinet that may have been there for 10 years that you're gonna give away, oh, here I am being generous. What they would do is take something that was really important to them and give away, because it did several things. If you can give something important to you away with no strings attached, it means that there are no strings attached and you're not held prisoner to anything or anyone. And if you can receive something like that from people, it is it, it, it gives up your fear because let's say I gave you my most prized possession, you would automatically assume that level of value to me there must be great strings attached. So it's mm -hmm. it's a act of trust to receive as well. Yeah, yeah, very good. Mm -hmm. I don't think these are commonly known. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's very important that we give and receive freely. Mm -hmm. that, well, it is that like would make breathing. A different, yeah. And um, there are other more advanced planets where just everyone, there's no currency. Everyone uh, uh, comes, once there's no currency in the way, you can actually understand that uh, what is valuable is the time that you're incarnate. Time is far more important. And I'm sure I've said on the show before, on the episodes of Star Trek where they showed them playing poker, which would be fun, uh, they did not bet money because they didn't have currency. It was a currency-free society. Take your imagination, stretch it as far as it goes, and think of your life with no currency, no money involved in your life. What would it look like? Okay, so uh, when they were gambling, what they would bet would be um, time. I will take one half hour of your duty shift as a bet against this. And the guy goes, oh yeah, an hour. And I was bluffing, damn it. You know, stuff like that. And it was still a real, real hot poker game, except that well, they- Well, money is kind of symbolic of time. Yeah, yeah. But, and literal. But, yeah, but money is not worth anything. Time is what's worth something, because mm -hmm. no matter how much money you have, any bajillionaire is trying to buy someone's young, virile body to take over. Well, if you live you know. in the infinite now, that wouldn't even be a... Yeah, thing. I know, but, but I, I, bajillionaires I know, I know. don't tend to live in the infinite now. Those bajillionaires. Yeah, it's like they're everywhere. Well, the whole thing, you know, just this giving and receiving, I feel that we are craving love and we want to go out and seize it, but yet 
if it turns around and looks at you and says, hello mm -hmm. there, I am love and I am here for you, it's ah, and you gotta mm -hmm. run away from it. The, the whole thing, and I, I really feel we're always attempting to balance ourselves in our own unique way between um, having the most amount of love for the least amount of risk. And so if we look at the bottom line of everything is somehow we feel other humans are our answer to fulfillment and yet they are the answer to being swallowed up at the same time. It's like yeah. a drop of water that is craving to become part of the ocean, but knows when it does, it's gonna be part of that thing and lose its identity. Mm -hmm. And so how do we find that power and that peace within ourselves that we can flow with it instead of against it? When love comes, we receive, and when love receives, we, it recedes, we give. How can we do that? I think it's to, to clear fear out of our life and to feel that nothing can rob us of our identity. Or yeah. our identity, you know, or our... Well, our identity is actually what we love, but I don't know if that's too commonly understood on our planet. Our power, our, our self. Our what planet, is that? we definitely live on a planet where love hides from us by virtue of the way we think. But no, love hides from us. Um, that's an interesting way of seeing it. Okay, well, there's, um, <clears throat> the current book uh, is about um, getting a language that would allow you to recognize absolutely everything that happens as love. And, and that is a quintessential part of becoming the more advanced world that we could. Uh, no matter what it is, it's love. I don't care to name unpopular examples from history, but whatever that was, it was love. And no matter how, quote, evil, it looked, it resulted in a better world. It just constantly throughout, we will look back at this time period uh, after currency is done away with, and that would not be difficult to do. You could do a day after tomorrow. We don't have to collapse the world economy to do that. We just have to stop regarding money as valuable. And then it wouldn't make any difference what the world economy did. But once we get to the point <coughs> that we can recognize, <coughs> pardon me, absolutely everything that happens as love, will live in a different world because it is. Well, so the distance between the event and the point at which you recognize it as love, that distance is in time and that is a correct answer. And another definition of that distance is the words in which you think because we have so many words that are so cleverly designed uh, to keep us from seeing it as love. So the word, word betrayal, for example, is a, as a usually let's say a 16 year program, once you think the word betrayal, you set off a 16 year program. And I've said this before on the show, uh, of um, a 16 year program of hatred. You hate yourself for um, not recognizing the person as do, uh, true to their nature, duplicitous. You hate your, did I say you hate yourself? You hate the other person for being true to their nature. Um, and then everybody hates you because you continue on uh, espousing it. So, the, and then at the end of, oh, I get it. It's, uh, that was love, that, that that happened, the betrayal happened, that was actually love because that ended the thing. I agree. Yeah. Everything is, a, is a blessing. Forward. So you look yeah. at what is the blessing, yeah. what is the yeah. gift, or you could say what is the love. And I, yeah. I think that that 
is a primary thing to see how everything is on your side. Yes, absolutely. That does so, not take away from the idea, though, that we participate in our reality. And no, of we course you have free will. From that. Yeah. yeah, of course you have free will. So whatever the event is, the amount of time it takes to get to see it as a blessing is directly related to the way in which you think. Mm -hmm. So I said for years and years, you know, the word loss means gain. Pay, you know, look at that. The word loss means gain. I lost something. Well, what did you gain? You know, um, lost, L-O-S-T, lost in, I don't know where I am. You on earth? Yes, well, okay, I don't know where I am on earth. You in a city or the, you know, and, and you cannot be lost, give it a shot. You know, you cannot do that. You cannot lose anything without gaining. If you lost absolutely everything, you would gain total freedom. Well, I, I think that that is very important. That's one of the things I had written down here, sure. not so much as the language code, but that yeah, yeah. is a great illustration. But there can't be one without the other. Mm -hmm. it, there is a, a giving and a receiving at every possible moment. Oh, yeah. So if you focus on your giving and your receiving and leave the rest up to the other person, it becomes much more peaceful. Yeah. But think about this. What if everything you do in your life, every word you utter, every th breath you take, every action you do, whether you prepare the dinner with love or you just throw it in a pot or uh, curse your neighbor under your breath, whatever it is you do, what if that is the legacy that you leave, your contribution oh, to good. consciousness? Think about that. And mm -hmm. it's not to blame and beat yourself up. You see, I think this is why people resist doing their inner work, their inner self-exploration, and their inner giving and receiving to themselves is because we are taught that somehow we're basically and inherently flawed, that mm. we are sinners. Mm -hmm. And actually, the word that was interpreted as sin in the Bible actually in true Aramaic meant mistake. So instead of us being sinners and we have to be punished forever and ever, um, or we're, you know, forgiven for that terrible sin that all humans are, we're all mistake makers and we're forgiven is really yeah. what that's saying. Yeah. So I think it is so important to get the blame out of there because if we say, all right, I'm going to look at my life and here's what I'm spreading. I'm spreading fear. I'm spreading people fighting. I'm spreading talking negatively about this person, I'm doing this, our first reaction is to go, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. Let me dissociate and I'll just cordon off this little part I approve of and I'll just take that around and show that to everybody and I better really guard this other place. It's like the, the evil brother that I have locked in a room somewhere, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. But if we n don't blame ourselves and say this is the way it is and I actually have compassion for that part of me, then yeah. we can look at it, we can start incorporating it into our life. So step number one, like we used to say in consciously creating your life and in consciously creating your new year, just like the 12-step programs where you must first say, hi, this is me and I accept me as I am. And mm -hmm. now, what's my next step in changing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And. Um, I forget the name of the author that wrote all the great science fiction, but he uh, coined the blame thrower. Douglas uh, Adams. Douglas Adams, yeah. Douglas Neal Adams, I think. It was because my mnemonic is DNA, and then I could remember Douglas. But blah, blah, blah. Well, Anyhow, uh, in the invention of the blame thrower, he did uh, lay open a, a great deal of information for us. And we've made the joke so many times, but the. Well, uh, my company name is in homage to him. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective oh, yeah, Agency, yeah. so mine's yeah. Mary's Holistic Detective Agency. Excellent, yeah. 
Um, and you do a lot of good work through Well, yeah. you too, but yeah. go ahead with your blame uh, thrower. Well, the blame thrower was the idea that was uh, coupled with something else there a moment ago. Oh, e egoic mind. Uh, the ego mind uh, running around chattering uh, all the time. And then once you can recognize that it, it's a source of entertainment prior to it being a source of entertainment, it was a reason to be upset about things because uh, people um, must inject themselves into absolutely everything. And that thoroughly prevents, uh, by the way, you're welcome to call in um, if you have questions or answers about any of this. Uh, the idea of um, uh, Christina Day wrote a Pleiadian book in which she was saying, uh, uh, so we're going to have a meditation and that's going to be two people that sit in silence. And she says this to about 20 people and she hears, so what about um, pillows? What about the chairs? What about incense? What about um, music on in the back? And, and 15 people have to inject themselves into it so they won't be lost or forgotten. And she described that as the ego mind. And since then, I can hear the ego mind. I'm only listening to mine because if I listen to everybody else's, I don't have time. Uh, so I listen for me, you know, attempting to inject myself into things. When I am at the height of my consciousness, I can actually hear, um, you know, where I have to say something in order not to be forgotten or swept away or whatever that is. So. That's basically the end of my comment on that. Well, I, I'd like to comment a little bit more about blame. I always like, in the work I do with people, is to help them to see what are these programs running. Let's drill down until we get to the real source impact or the source cause. It's always the path to the healing, and it can be done mm -hmm. very rapidly that way. But if we look at this idea of people being afraid to truly give and receive with no strings attached in either direction or feel that the other person's gonna take their power if they do receive. And we look under that and we keep drilling down into the blame. And then you look under the blame, it's like, well, why would we seek to blame everyone for everything or blame ourselves, beat ourselves up? It's because we're afraid of feeling guilty. So blame equals guilt avoidance. So the feeling of guilt is one of the most toxic, horrible feelings that we have. And we can also call it shame. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of children are raised with that as a, a, a technique. It's either violence or guilt and shame. And I think that um, once we recognize that as human's way of gaining control over a situation is to use either guilt or violence, maybe we could rise above that and use different techniques. So if you find yourself blaming, if you find someone else blaming, first of all, take a deep breath and say, I am safe. Because when we hear that going on, we automatically go into this yeah. basic essential self that is terrified of being blamed for something. And why is that? Because then we'll be thrown into guilt and shame. And what happens when you're in guilt and shame is every bit of your life force gets sucked into the black hole and you're not living your life. And that is the thing that we are the most afraid of. I don't think we're afraid of dying. I think we're afraid of guilt and shame and that it is so terrifying for us that we will do anything to escape it. And so uh, that could even be in the form of being afraid to die. You're afraid you're, uh, of the death and that you won't be brave. And so once again, the fear and shame. So what we can do, and this is what I would suggest everybody, right now, commit to yourself and say out loud with me 
that I will never I will never withhold love from myself withhold love from myself no matter what no matter what okay so if you're not going to ever withhold love from yourself again no matter what you do you don't have to worry about guilt because what does guilt do make you withhold love from yourself so now we've drilled down underneath guilt and yeah. what we're really afraid of is we will be abandoned by us mm -hmm. that we will withhold love from ourselves because other people are and that's so what if we're you taught. commit to that none of these things will be effective yeah. so we just looked at the emotional immune system right there oh very good yeah, and, and we are all brought up that way, you know, with the guilt, because uh, what guilt does in a very real way is um, it's expeditious. It is easier to say, read this or you will fail, rather than say, this is an unbelievably eloquent book. I, I would recommend this with every corpuscle in my entire body, in several major organs and a good deal of my feet. Okay, and I feel that you'll be inspired by this book and I, wanna, I want you to read it and I want you to write me a paper on how this book affected you on such a profound level. It is much easier to say, read the book or you fail. Okay, complete guilt or inspiration. And you always choose the guilt because it's expeditious. If you ever once chose the inspiration, well, who knows what would happen? Well, the spirit would move in. You would be inspired. Inspiration, code word, yeah. And, and so guilt has been the shortcut for mankind. And I'm sorry, it, it's, it's a shortcut to nowhere. It's a shortcut to um, self-hatred. To a short circuit. Yeah. A shortcut to a short circuit. Yeah, absolutely. We spent eloquent. a month there one night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's time to knock this off. Now, I understand that uh, you're a small child and you cannot allow your toddler to run out in a busy street. And so you have to take the toddler and say, no, 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 no. And you have to make the toddler guilty until they know well enough to watch both ways. And I was thinking, you know, I've, I've looked both ways my whole life. It's ingrained. My body will look both ways. I don't even have to be paying attention. My body will do it. Unless so, you're on a cell phone, then the body stops too. <laughs> yeah, now that's a lot of fun. See, what you want to do is find someone's cell phone and be there revving the engine. Oh, hi. Hey, uh, I just found out. And you tell them some horrible piece of information and they go into, and, uh, well, anyhow, as long as you're having fun. But this concept of um, doing away with quite that much guilt, uh, those amongst us, we, the Hebrews, um, have a ceremony. Hi, you are a man today. It's your 13th birthday. There's no uh, rites of passage to give up guilt anywhere, any place, any time. There's no ceremony. Uh, at this point, uh, guilt trumps logic. Well, you know, I, you know, and you've heard me talk on this many a time about that, um, the, the direct correlation between the Old Testament to the New Testament yeah. to uh, the New Age movement. It starts out as a direct map of there is no compassion, so there has to be rules for you to follow. Mm -hmm. And you can liken that to a child they don't know that it's dangerous to go out there, so we invent the boogeyman. So in other words, we use the fear to control. And then we get to the place where it's like, okay, I'm not gonna use that fear, I'm gonna use your own experience and your own ability to, to project experience of other people into your own life. And so you'll love others as you would love yourself. And then we figured out we weren't loving ourselves too much. 
so we can see that how we are with our kids and how we are with ourselves and each other is an ever-evolving thing. So we can be a child as a human and grow into an old person. And then humanity is on its own trajectory of growth and consciousness. And so we are evolving outside of that land of rules, but we don't have the self-love. And this is the next new thing. This oh, is yeah. the next piece of the larger construct of human consciousness that we have to love ourselves. And that does not mean love ourselves instead of loving others and mm -hmm. being the martyr. It means we have to do both. I tell you, join the MeWe tribe with me because it really has to go that way. It can't go the other way. It's not having a, a polarized reaction to being a martyr and, and being codependent and doing everything for everyone else. And then I'm gonna be completely all about me and I'm gonna leave my kids and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. It has to be about a balance. And a balance, Always. true balance, is both sides being incorporated, yeah. not just standing in the middle, vacillating between the two. Well, we've taught for a long time the percentages on that. I came to the conclusion in meditation somewhere there that um, compassion is seeing it from the other person's point of view. Now, the thing about that is that with the recognition yeah. that we are all one organism, the entire the universe is one organism, we have all this body of evidence, pun intended, that we're divided into cars and buildings and people and right. animals. But no, it's one thing. Right. So uh, it's very easy to see it from the other point of view. From the So another human being, I can recognize their point of view of me and so forth. I'm just saying this is well, the mirror of this particular piece of meditation provided for well, me. Well, I'm glad that you were seeing that because um, I know we've had this conversation, and um, one of the techniques I use to get there, because I've always, probably being a Libra, probably being just who I am, I always see everyone's side, and sometimes it grinds me to a halt in my decision-making because I can see the value of everything. But what I would do, and I did this long before I knew you too, is if I was in an argument with somebody, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be like a screaming match, but any kind of a thing where there was uh, two sides that were opposing, I would rise up and I would pretend to be both sides of it. I would present, pretend that I, I felt both of those things. And it always helped me to come to a resolution. Yeah. And that's when I noticed one day there was a coffee cup and I was teaching a psychic development class before we met. and. Uh, I was looking at these different perspectives, how I can just clearly see, I saw my boss's side, I saw that coworker's side, and it's not just, oh, I'm a chameleon, and I, I can genuinely see it. And mm -hmm. so I saw that I could prove that that coffee cup handle is on the right side of the cup. I can take a picture and get scientists to agree to it. And you could do it, and it would be on the left, and you could do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that helped me to really see that there are 360 points of view <laughs> of, everything. Uh, of everything and you really have to be able to because the more beliefs and the more points of view you can include in your own, the bigger you become. Mm -hmm. Blocking other people out, trying to debate it, trying to shoot it down, it really isn't the way to go for your improvement, you know? Oh no, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, so much of mankind is suspending itself on uh, exactly that. Mm -hmm attempting to prove one point of view and disprove another point of view. And, uh, and so we've said uh, for uh, untold eons 
that uh, there's an infinite number of correct answers. Two plus two is mm -hmm. uh, nine minus five. That's a correct answer, isn't it? All you math people, yeah? Two plus two is nine minus, oh, I meant to say 10 minus six. No, no, 11 minus seven. Uh, so there's an infinite number of correct answers mathematically. That crack any domes out there? <laughs> I heard it. There is an uh, infinite number of correct answers. And it's, uh, what, some sort of roulette wheel that determines which one in particular you seize up on at that moment? So, you know, if you really incorporated that, you could go to Vegas, make a fortune, retire in the desert someplace. But still, not that we would. Near Las Vegas cannot be all the healthiest, but we'll let all that go. At any rate, It's very beautiful hi. out there. Yeah. So uh, call in if you have questions. We adore to hear from our audience because there's, um, uh, whatever question it is you're asking us, you're asking for many, many, many other people who are watching but don't quite have it together to pick up the phone and dial 571-749-1166. Because I don't have that memorized. I do. <laughs> No, I, I just, I'll, I'll always, allocate some brain I, space to remember that. I've always found it very easy to remember number combinations because they, they sound like words to me sometimes, which is a whole other subject. So we'll talk about numbers another night. But I, I do feel uh, if you are listening to this on podcasting, which you can, by the way, you can download the audio version and put well, like 300 of episodes on your iPod and walk around and listen to us until you start talking just like us. <laughs> No, until you start making sense. Nothing egotistical about that at all. Hi, caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, it's Victoria. Victoria, how are we doing? I'm great. Um, hey. I am watching you online, and um, you're talking about guilt and blame, correct? Correct. Yes, good. All right. So I've been um, meditating on this and working on it myself. I'm trying to get to something. I want your um, input, please. When I think a lot of people... Um, suffer with this. We're afraid of um, being unique. We have to belong, and so we lose ourselves. But there's this thing between guilt is, of course, and it depends how you see it, um, something that you can correct. It's like you do something wrong, you fix it, but shame is about the person being bad, which is impossible. But there's a fear there of abandonment, and I'm trying to figure out, is that just so... Um, you know, coming from childhood, we're afraid we're going to die if someone leaves us. I'm trying to understand what the belief system is. Well, um, I don't know. I know you said you were watching online, but um, that, first of all, it's a, a very good question. And earlier I was saying, you know, when we drilled underneath guilt and then there was blame and shame and underneath that was a fear of withholding love from ourself. Like maybe it's not a fear of being abandoned by our parents or whatever. But what if the ultimate fear was us abandoning ourselves, you know, and not loving ourselves, which, which, you know, would make sense. So anyway, what did you have to say? Well, I abandoned me once, but it didn't last very long. You followed you home? I was the only one I had to talk to. God. <laughs> now, it's interesting. Um, you were saying unique. We are all unique. Uh, and we are, and there is uh, no possibility that we are not all unique. Now, why then don't we start to look at why we are all so similar, since there's no possibility of not being unique? And Hollywood, Hollywood is the reason. 
or you know, glamour or whatever the rest of this is that I, I'm not me, I'm my appearance. I'm, you know, this entire boatload of many Chicago ships of nonsense that has been poured into us about that. You're unique, there's nothing you're gonna do about it. The point of living on our planet is that we have to see that we're all, we're all really the same thing and we're all really unique. So we no longer have to bang, I'm so unique, look, I've got spangles on my bangles. Yeah. That sounded a little strange coming out, but still, uh, you know, that we can, well, it did, it did sound strange, but still, that, that we're all the same. It's a lot more than that we all suck oxygen. It's a lot more than that we are all, uh, you know, in humanoid bodies. It's we're, we're the one thing. And <clears throat> the idea of, um, recreating our, ourselves and the, the job of the ego, the reason we love the ego is that uh, the process of decision, uh, the process of choice, uh, the ego is required for the process of choice in that there's all these possibilities. Then you have to make the choice and then you make the decision and then it activates. But without the ego, there won't be the choice. There'll just be all of these possibilities. Yeah. And so that's why we love it. Uh, now the ego is serving to drive a wedge between us and our fellow incarnates. And that's pretty much seems to be what it feels its, feels its full-time job is to do. So we all have to, you know, rattle about, uh, you know, what contribution we can make instead of just observing for the least bit of time to see if what we have hasn't been suggested by uh, and that's the thing about the internet, you can find out who suggested that, just Google it and it'll come up. It's, it's pretty <laughs> interesting. I just think we've been so programmed to go along and, and rejection is such a huge thing for people and, and it's just so inbred. But it's just interesting, as you know, I've just been trying to um, figure this stuff out. I think most of us on the planet are suffering from this. But um, I'm not going to take too much time, but if I can oh, get... Oh, no, a no, no. We sure. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but we've loved your call. We would continue to love your call if that um, you could call back if you wanted. Well, if you didn't quite hear what you were looking for, or yeah, even if you did. I, well, I think you know this idea of rejection, which is what she's bringing up. Yes. Which is a very powerful topic. I think mm -hmm. that would be a whole show in and of itself. The idea of rejection. What is so scary about rejection? Rejections. Let's dr drill down into that and see where the bottom is on that and the teacher can reject you and then you feel like, oh, I'm not smart enough because that teacher is giving me the validation that I'm smart enough so then I approve of myself and I can give me love. So think of love as a faucet within you and what we're taught, oh, well done. <clears throat> what we're taught is that other people will come and to either turn their faucet on and flow love into you or they'll turn your faucet on. And so then when a relationship breaks up, it feels like they took that love flow, they turned off the faucet and you're there totally devastated without love. So then that makes us hold ourselves hostage so that we will do anything we must do in order to keep that flow open. But once we realize that it, we're always a self-contained system and what other people do maybe is inspire us to open the faucet and that when they leave, we don't have to turn it off, we become very powerful and none of these things will affect us anymore. So everybody turn on your faucet of love and never let anything make you turn that off. Never withhold love from yourself again. And yes. we have the duck. All right, and I want to make this one point when we come back. Mm -hmm. Welcome, duck. Do, 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 do. 
Um, there we go. Our shows can't air in other countries because of that one little music clip. I will we'll talk to her reminding. again. Alright, these are my fourth deck, Mary's Magical Message Cards. Uh, the truth is now emerging from the fog of confusion. You see the situation clearly. Loved ones in spirit are watching over you and send their love. They are always close by. Dad, Great. Mom, how are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, just that last point, uh, the being rejected thing. Um, pay attention to when it is the person's ego that is rejecting you rather than anything you did or any validity uh, that you had more than likely threatened the other person. You know, uh, well, specifically their ego. Uh, that was the well, comment no, that I wanted to make. Well, that's a very good point. And when yeah. we are running from love uh, or, or when we are still withholding love from ourselves, mm -hmm. then we will reject other people. Yeah. We just, we just do. Yeah, it comes and with so it. And so if someone's rejecting you, they're really rejecting themselves because yeah. they don't love themselves. So. Yeah, okay. and, and that's the call? basis of it. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, uh, this is Suzanne. How are you? Good. Oh, good. How are you? Just fine, thank you. I was wondering if I could get a reading from Mary. I'd be most happy to. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll take my um, answer off the phone. Great. Thank you. Okay, well, the first card we get is knowledge. And, well, there's a couple messages from this. You know, we get, like, as Neville really well um, put one time, he put it very well, that you can know 100, yo 100 yoga positions, but until you do yoga, you don't really know that. And our knowledge sometimes can get in our way. And uh, I remember the book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, that I read back in the 80s when it first came out. And he was talking to Socrates, this, um, like this, um, I don't know, some teacher, spiritual teacher. And he said, here, fill this gas tank. And he goes, but it's full, it's running over. And he goes, exactly, you have to be able to empty in order to be filled and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel that's saying a couple things, like maybe look at something different, take your old idea about it and set it aside maybe even about a person or a circumstance. And it's also telling you that you know more than you think you know. And so don't even get tangled up in it. I, I almost feel like this could have something to do with a, a lot of different things in your life, but maybe even a, a job or just at, like your day-to-day -day life. I feel like you're being elevated or promoted out of something. And so if it's causing any kind of a friction or if you're bored or whatever, it might be time to look for new things in your life and rethink it completely. The silence can often talk about going to the beach and being near water and being in your own inner silence because that's when you really make sense of things. If you've got the chatter of other things going on, it just doesn't work. And then the uh, claim your power and really step up. So again, you know, we've got that knowledge and all that. And sometimes we seek counsel, but just like that whole giving and receiving, if you give something, you, you don't have any say-so over it. Once you give it, you gotta let it go. And so same with other people's advice, if it comes in your field, be free to let that go too. Yeah, excellent. Hi caller, what's your name please? Okay, you no. know, I think Victoria wanted a reading. So I'm gonna go ahead and pull some cards for her, I don't know. If that's what she had wanted, I know 
she may have gotten cut off toward the end there. Yeah, I don't. If so, Victoria, if you don't choose to have a reading, um, we can just send this into the cosmos. So, for whoever um, would like to have um, a reading could also benefit from it. This is the flow, and it's funny because when we were talking about giving and receiving, I'd wanted to reference this card because if we give too much, if we're doing that, we're usually giving it to make up for some old guilt, and if we're not receiving things, it could be, you know, the control issues and everything. But what it's saying is in your life, you know that you're giving and receiving in your perfect flow and you feel at peace. And this comes up to talk about a, uh, a change for the better in your cash flow as well. And going deeper, you know, the examine life is not worth living. Who was it that said that? I, I just... Some philosophy. Yeah, I think, I think there's yeah. a lot of value in that. And what this is saying is everything that we fear when we look at it, it turns into these guppies. They're not sharks. And if you go at the thing you're most afraid of or most resisting and go through it, on the other side of it is always your treasure and that there is a grand awakening. This to me feels like there might be an opportunity to, I don't know if you have started your own healing business or whatever, if you're still doing that, but I, I'm kind of seeing a man that may have some kind of a business that will offer you an opportunity that you may want to look into further and you might have um, contemplated this in the past, uh, but it wasn't right for you then, but it may be right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and we're about to be at uh, Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Circle, by the way, provided this is Thursday night, the 2nd of October. And if anybody's up for an adventure next week, give me a call or email me and I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, if this is of interest. And um, what else? We have some other things coming it's up. It's just we're a three-hour to tour. Yeah. So bring your case of money and all your gowns. Hmm? Pathways. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we're going uh, to be. Uh huh. We'll be there Sunday. Pathways. At the Fairview and, Park Marriott. Yeah. And what else? So, no? Okay. Yeah. Well, so, we could go back to that talking of the giving and receiving. Another exercise for people to do is give that gi giving. Um, also, what the person really wants like sometimes we give what we want to give you know how I was saying you could always yeah. see what people give um, what they really they want it's something I observed yeah. even as a child yeah well also the if you're giving something you want to the other person and try to force them to receive it that's v being very bullish you know? yes, it is. Um, they need to find out their own stuff and likewise mm -hmm. if you're receiving something sometimes just accept their gift you don't have to use it you know, you don't have to control everything they're giving. Oh, that's blue and I wanted green, so take it back. Let yeah. the flow happen. Who cares if you get something you really don't like? And who cares if the person doesn't like what you give? Just get the process started because it really brings a great energy into your life. Flow, you go for the flow, you know. We're down to five minutes. <laughs> so somebody call in, with, um, call in with an answer and we'll give you the question. Ooh, good. Oh, hey, I had a thought earlier tonight that might be fun. If you want to email in, we have a call. Uh, show okay. topics. We will do a few weeks where we draw a topic out and we'll just talk about that. Hi, caller. What is the answer? <laughs> Anita is here. I would love to have a reading. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, 
I have a specific area I'm uh, calling about. Um, my cousin is having a hard time deciding about whether to come back east or stay in California, and any insight to that would be great. Okay, I, I heard cousin deciding to come back east? From California okay. or to stay there. Okay, so. Right. Um, well, if you look at this, it's somebody standing on the world with a megaphone, and it's called communication. And funnily, this person kind of is standing back east, so something calling east. Uh, I would say that if a question comes up, there's some value in, in going. We'll look at some of the other cards. But there is something where I do feel the split energy from two places. And so what we tend to do is we put on these costumes of what other people approve of and what other people tell us we are. And I would have drawn that lady nude, but I didn't know how to. <laughs> do that with a taste. Um, anyway, when we really disrobe from all that and look in the mirror, we're this angelic presence. And so what I feel like for your cousin is to strip down uh, within himself what is going on in California and over here, like what's calling you, what are the motives to stay in each place, and get more at the truth of who you are, and it will become very evident. And the traveling, the suitcase, kind of infers in combination with that, that maybe coming back east at least for a time to find out why that's calling is is probably the way the wind's going to blow. So yeah, I definitely you. got the impression that they would be going back. If they come from California, they'll go back. Well, maybe, but that's there's something something. Uh, yeah, that's you know, yeah. coming out here to find out what the calling is is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Those callings yeah. in our life really. Um, come up to lead us into certain things. We don't have to stay. Yeah, or we could. Everything is choice. Well, we don't have to. Yes, life is a stream of decisions. People seem so afraid of decisions when no one, and it seems to me apparent that you could make a decision a nanosecond later, you could make a countermanding decision, just the opposite well, decision, it, and it will flip in and out of reality. Yeah, you know, like we um, are unbelievably powerful. When, when I used to use the Osho cards all the time, and there, there was the deck of the, and the only wrong decisions, making no decision kind of thing. Well, if you really fully make a decision, let go of the other, then all the opportunity on this path will show up on mm -hmm. this path. But the bottom line on decision making is, as long as we feel guilty, which as long as we blame which leads us to self-guilt, which leads us to shame, which leads us to withholding love from ourselves. we won't fear making a decision. We're really afraid of our future self's uh, retribution and anger and hostility at us if, if it appears wrong. We also <laughs> believe that there's a wrong answer and a right answer for everything. What if every decision is great and whatever one you choose is perfect? Nah. <laughs> I'm still pissed at my past self. Yeah. No, see, I used to write letters to my future self when I made big decisions so that it would understand that I didn't have the knowledge that they do, that Monday morning quarterback me does now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was our joy and honor to take you to the door. Check out telepathictv.com. And you will, yes. We have a lot going on. Uh, go to the website. We have um, I, even more of the waveforms are forming there. And uh, uh, you have 
four decks and working on the next one, I believe. Oh, I have many that are in process. So yeah. well, it was our joy and honor again. And uh, check out You're going through lots the door. of new stuff coming up. Just go through the door. Quit arguing. Just go. Become Just more do cautious. it. Yes, please. You know, you'll look back and go, why did I drag my feet? And you'll say, because I had four of them. By the way, my son, when he was two, came up with that, that line, just do it. You know, Nike <laughs> seems to think they own it. Nope. My son did it when he was two in there 1979. <laughs>